0: Welcome, dear listener. Brackets open, S brackets closed. And as the nights have drawn in and there's an autumnal chill in the air, what better way to spend your time than to listen to episode 11 of Weekend at Crombies? Destination? The South Pacific, perhaps, as we discuss The Bounty.
1: Thank you, James, and welcome, everyone, to episode 11 of Weekend at Crombies. My name is Hugh, and all I can promise you is relentless pain and hardship.
0: And my name is James Evans, Esquire. And, uh, and that's Tahitian for good evening, everyone. I really so don't up. think like it to is. <laughs> in, a, in a piece of mild racism on a Thursday <laughs> evening, i would completely made that up. But it sounded quite real. (laughs) Could I have passed
1: as a Tahitian? A a, a Tahitian recorder, maybe. You know, one of uh, those small flute. (laughs) (laughs) If If, if a child was learning the recorder in Tahiti and wasn't doing a very good job of it, I think that's the sound it would make.
0: Good. Well, I'll take that. I think if if there are any native Tahitian um, people, (laughs) Tahitis... (laughs) <laughs> i don't know uh, would you uh, like oh, a he, shovel there james yeah. <laughs> even even anyone who can speak to tahitian 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 anyone can speak tahitai um do do write in to weekend at crombies and i let, do apologize if
1: there are any native tahitians tuning in on this <laughs> um, well
0: yes i think that um if anyone's going to apologize it's going to be the cast and crew of the bounty for their <laughs> Cultural appropriation of, of uh, uh, Tahitian natives, but we'll come on to that. We will, because episode eleven of Weekend at Crombie's is all about the bounty. The bounty, um, and it was chosen by Hugh Morgan. It's Hugh's film of the month. Um, I think we should crack
1: on. It is. So we'll begin as we always do with um, with the synopsis. We'll keep keep it light and brief, and we'll get you out of here in a brisk time. However, before we do that, I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce something else here. Ooh, there yeah. are a couple of elephants in the room that I I think we should begin with and that will help move us on
0: okay. I should point out that I know nothing of this you
1: don't elephant. you you're, these are these are surprise elephants the elephant yeah. of surprise one might say Yeah, <laughs> very <good. laughs> they never see it coming <laughs> uh, firstly this is our first historical movie so a movie based in what yeah. you'd imagine to be historical truth or historical fact
0: yeah um, it is it is, it? is
1: also again well, um,
0: what about Santa Claus the movie <laughs> You I'm sorry, a it's compelling a good point. Historical fact, isn't it? Hugh?
1: This is our second movie based on <laughs> historical fact, but more importantly, um, my my academic background is very heavily centred in both imperial and Commonwealth history and in naval history. So um, my so if my... there was
0: if there was any more reason not to tune into this <laughs> episode. He was he was ladies' cards on You're the. You're going to get
1: an, a massive no-it-all. No, at all. Now, my point is though, I am going to tr- I'm going to do my very best at most to judge this as a movie, as a piece of entertainment, and not try and compare it left and right to was it historically accurate? What would you know? What, what did the real Lieutenant William Bly do at the time and this kind of stuff? So I'm trying not to impose what I know about this on the movie, but I will obviously bring my vast knowledge of 20 years ago to this <laughs> to to enrich and enlighten your experience. So that's that's quite- elephant one.
0: I think that's fair. I think that's fair. It's quite an interesting one because, um, I, again, maybe we'll come on to this as well, but I think it's in part describing what should have happened in the real the real mutiny on the bounty mm. and what the film is and what it's trying to do it might be an interesting comparison because I don't think the film necessarily is trying to be historically accurate but maybe that's something we can come on to
1: yeah and of course it it being not the only mutiny on the bounty film out there and even the most um, popular one so that's there's a a legacy there too elephant number two which i think we should quickly address because we could get hung up on this for the entire production um i'm just going to say debbie mcwilliams
0: um my ex-wife debbie mcwilliams (laughs) (laughs) and she's here tonight yeah. I thought I'd never hear that name again. Just to be clear, if uh, my wife should be listening to this podcast, I mean, she doesn't. She's the she first couple and then got bored. Um, I have never been married before. Uh, well, apart from now, when I am married. I am married now to my wife.
1: Can I get you a shovel, James?
0: <laughs> well, she thinks we're married anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Debbie McWilliams is the uh, the casting director of Meeting on the Bounty and I think if you ever gave a Nobel Prize for film casting, you'd oh, give it see, to yeah. Debbie McWilliams because literally everyone is in this film often before they became very famous to quickly run down Mel Gibson, Anthony Hopkins, Lawrence Olivier, Edward Fox Daniel Day-Lewis, Bernard Hill, mm-hmm. Phil Davis Liam Neeson, Dexter Fletcher John Sessions, <laughs> Neil Morrissey um, the boat is literally stuffed with people who are destined to become very famous, and almost none of them were cast on their fame at this point, at this present moment. You know, Lawrence Olivier. Yeah, yes. It was the
0: end of his career and, right, wasn't Yeah. It? But
1: obviously, he was a famous name. Edmund, Mel Gibson was on the app. Most yeah. everyone else appears to have been discovered by Debbie McWilliams, as in, oh, they're pretty good. Let's, let's cast them. And my goodness, did she get a good casting? And so we don't yeah. get completely hung up on everything that does. I like to, to note that down. That this is really a phenomenal cast and probably worth a watch for that alone.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it is of all of the Weekend at combies films that we have reviewed, I'd say that this has the, the most stellar star star-studded, uh, star-studded cast of the lot. It was one of the greatest cast lists I think I've ever seen. In fact, yeah, you... when you've got when you've got someone like um, I don't know D- Daniel Day Lewis in a minor role, he has maybe uh, twenty
1: lines. It's like,
0: <laughs> is yeah, if that yeah. yeah. Or Liam Neeson is a. Um, you know, in, in, again, in a very minor role, but not 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 insignificant. Yeah, yeah, they they again,
1: they, they all show themselves in the world. Well, you, you remember them for their roles, but they.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. But, yeah. And uh, uh, I will possibly um, add to the elephant in the room when we come on to talking about the cast in a little bit more detail yeah. in the actual analysis as well, yeah. because I think that, I, that there's there's something about the stellar nature of that cast that I want to talk about yeah. in the context of the film as well.
1: But there's enough Oscars in that cast to sink a small jolly boat.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Although well, none for this film.
1: No. No, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> well the Oscars are you know Oscars are political they're not like Crombie floating Crombie heads which are earned or indeed exactly. hotly debated or indeed changed around mid-sentence or <laughs> deeply regretted as in the case of episode two which we did not talk about um but let's let's now begin we begin um in uh late 18th century England and uh Lieutenant William Bly is facing trial for having lost his ship to a mutiny so we begin pretty much after the event the entire film is set as a framing device. Um, William Bly is being um, grilled by uh, Admiral Hood and various captains about what happened on the Bounty, and he kind of opens the ship's log and talks through all the events of the day, and we flash back to it. And every now and again, we flash forward to Bly continuing to being grilled about certain events and,
0: and what happened. So, it's and Admiral Hood is played by Lawrence Olivier. He is in one of his last screen roles.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, he um, Hood is. It's quite a nice dynamic because Edward Fox is the the captain Greetham who is the really one going for Bly um, yeah, and is. and Hood is the one who kind of just sits there and makes the odd wry comment. We should imagine um, an aging Admiral Wood because Hood is actually yeah. again is is a, is a legendary figure. He's the one who mentored Nelson. He's the he's a, um, yeah. a a legend in the navy. But you can imagine him just kind of chuckling away at all this kind of stuff before him. But um, yeah. and Edward Fox
0: is doing that yeah. really steely eyed, you know, yeah, tell you into a, thing. so Bly... You were friends with Fletcher Christian were you not? And then flashback to when they when Bly meets Fletcher Christian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That, yeah, that kind of process yeah
1: it's a good narrative so it frames it and then when you have to skip over things like we were at sale we were saved for 30 days you just yeah. skip saying we sailed for 30 days um <laughs> which is handy but again it sets things up and it also creates attention because of course if you watch a film called the bounty you kind of know what happens the blight loses the ship to christian but you probably don't know what happened to Bly after that so there's the first is you yeah. get a bit of tension that is Bly going to get slung out of the navy Where, where's the so there's a, another sort of moment of of crisis where what's going to happen to Bly and you are therefore kept engaged in that bit of the story as well.
0: That's very true I I didn't know what happened to Bly after the mutiny I know what happened to Fletcher Christian yeah um and and the mutineers but not Bly so so that that's yes an interesting point that's not uh a story often told I don't think in in the kind of the the kind of the side of kind of filming I suppose really.
1: And this is Bly's story very much so he is he is the central figure um so um so again we begin so Bly we flash back bligh is recruiting his ship he gets his good friend fletcher christian who is he seems more of kind of a dilettante than is Bly is again he's got the the rough you have know, west country accent and the the he's very he's married with kids he's very staid fletcher is much more the kind of the foppish dandy so how they became friends in the first place is an odd one but yeah he, <laughs> um, <laughs> um but they, they'll 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 get aboard the ship um there's Again, there's lots of foreshadowing. The ship is too small. You know, the, you don't have a full crew, and this kind of stuff. In you know. fact, yeah, yeah. um, they, they lay out quite nicely again because Bly's explained to Christians, explained to us, too, we we're going to get breadfruits to feed to Jamaica and this kind of stuff. It's, a, it's quite a nice imperial span that you would start off in England, go to the South Pacific to get food to feed the Caribbean to produce sugar yeah. to sell to the markets, and it's, um, it's swept over quite nicely.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. It, it does. Uh, it, it does set up the the first. Indication of Bly's um, uh, kind of drive, and not all, not ulterior motives necessarily, but just his ambition to be remembered as a, a successful. Um, Yes. That, that was the thing. You know, it, 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 that's the thing that drives him. It's quite egotistical in that way. But it's about it's about ambition. It's about success. It's about recognition. He's going to navigate. He's going to circumnavigate the globe. Yeah, to that's, do- that, yeah, that's
1: what they hang it on is the fact that he's been told to get these breadfruits, but he aims to circumnavigate the globe. And therefore that will make his reputation because he's yeah. basically it's an errand. According to the Royal Navy, it's not special. He wants to make it special and therefore advance himself. In fact, he was going there on orders, in the truth. But this, the, in terms of the character of the film, this is his drive. He wants to better himself, and he's very driven to do it. And he's driven to do a few other things too. He wants, a, say, a healthy ship. He wants fresh provisions. He's um, he wants basically to have the model voyage. And when they set off, he, he's explaining this to his men. Um, and in fact, it it does set up the tone quite nicely. That Bly is in the officer's mess, telling you know, um, telling the men what he wants. The seamen are down there. Liam Neeson is one of the bruisers. He's an enormous seaman called Churchill that clearly is the alpha dog amongst the the below yeah. decks. He, he starts by beating up two men who are sitting in his place. Um, and it it certainly, apart from establishing the character of you know who these sailors are, it shows that you know, the officers are happily in the mess and very well-intentioned towards the ship, but completely ignorant yeah. that the men are beating each other up below decks, because Bly's like, oh, the men are a bit quiet, and then someone starts to fiddle yeah. to cover the noise
0: of the beating, yeah. and he goes, oh, that's better. Ah, it. there we go. Everything, yeah. Everything's still with the world. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and, and, that, and, of course, then there's the middle decks, which is... Um, Fletcher and the junior officers, and it's set up that Fletcher does twig that something's wrong with the men. But when he sends one of the junior officers to look into it, the men cover, and so there's all these different levels: is that the one, the top level is ignorant, the middle level is aware but helpless, and the bottom level obey their own little rules and, um,
0: and hierarchies as well. It's very, it's very much like the rumbunctious scenes in Titanic, um, <laughs> where uh, they go down below and dance the with the Irish, oh, yes. the Irish poor. <laughs> it's you know it's 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 got that um it is
1: quite a harsh scene to see because literally you have neil morrissey and um another character literally getting their faces beaten bloody by uh Liam neeson who's
0: again uh, yeah doing
1: a, <laughs> it's quite funny oh yes any movie where neil morrissey is beaten up is, a, is yeah. an extra, an extra star for that you're sitting in
0: my seat it's not <laughs> your seat then there's a fight <laughs> <laughs> well if you don't sit in his seat yeah, don't sit in the seat. That was my best Irish impression, by the way.
1: That was your Irish impression? I didn't know Neil Morrissey was Irish. Imagine, imagine
0: that. <laughs> it's
1: it's a lot better Tahitian, I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, um, so this this the sail goes on, and as the voyage happens, um, generally, Bly is actually shown in quite a positive light. I so say he he wants yes, he, he, is. he wants to yeah. again. It's it's somehow shown as he's being bit eccentric or um or, or hard, being hard on the men but actually his his intentions are he wants to exercise them that's not a yeah. bad thing he wants them to be healthy um
0: yeah. again and he's he's, also, he's, yeah. he's regimented isn't he he's regimented yeah. he has a he's a particular world view yeah. which he adheres to and i think he you would might consider him eccentric yeah. rather rather than rather than brutal or harsh even though some of the ex- his eccentricities you know rankle amongst the the crew yeah. it, it was one it was one of the things that surprised me about the film actually that, that bly himself is is not portrayed but well, certainly in the first part of the film is not portrayed as a as a, a kind of violent overbearing um you know thug i guess really not a thug but yeah, yeah. Uh, a tyrant. Know, I, it, because yeah. In
1: the, certainly in the previous two movies that's exactly what it was the, it um, is, yeah. the one well, with uh, charles King charles and charles lottery charles lawton
0: yeah and clark gable
1: yeah, and then there was another yeah. one with uh, Marlon Brando and um, Trevor Howard. Howard. So yeah, Trevor Howard right. and Charles Lawton were yeah. iconic villains. They were literally just yeah. brutal tyrants that the yeah. uh, Fletcher Christian had to rise up against. And this certainly well tries to, yeah, this certainly tries to address the balance. And again, so we reach our first test, which is rounding Cape Horn. Um, Bly is also shown to be a skilled seaman. He's, when you know, The whole crew are like, why is he panicking? What's the matter? He apparently senses the storm um, and this kind of stuff. And that, I think, rings true. Bly was the most experienced seaman on the ship and actually was very good at that part of his job he was technically yeah. very talented um or he's well, very hard working,
0: so. for that
2: <laughs> well no but as, as, as the movie the movie the movie later the but the movie later
1: plays out it shows him that he is well for all his other many faults he was certainly a very skilled seaman um again get, getting from a
0: to b um, yeah the scene the scene is quite uh fun is that um everyone's basically saying "Well, oh, you know this this ain't too bad is it you know yeah. around round in the Cape of Good Hope this is alright and then um, Bly walks to the edge of the ship and he looks out as if you know he's sensing the storm like hmm I guess I was wrong then doesn't look like the storm next scene (laughs) thunder lightning you know 50 foot waves that's quite funny yeah (laughs) (laughs) um
1: so, actually, this is the first testing point. So, the ship essentially can't round the horn. So, plan, first, the first stroke, so after 30 days of fighting storms, they have to backtrack past Africa and go the long way round to Tahiti. Yeah. Which is problematic for a number of occasions. One, he can't do his big circumnavigation plan. When they get to Tahiti, actually, it shows that it, because they've arrived at the wrong time in the season now, the breadfruits they've come to collect will take a lot longer to cultivate so that's a later issue but generally it's a big spanner in the works of Bly's perfect um, perfect plan and actually loses a semen to um, again it's, it's implied he loses a semen to the storm because he, I think he gets burns when he falls into the ship's oven when it, the, right, yeah. it's tossed around so it's, it's not great and again it's one of the first times Bly really is shown to have a great big flaw in this that he He's um he's writing in his his letters to his wife how frustrated and, and 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 unhappy he is. Fletcher comes in and he puts on this this kind of oh no everything's fine everything's fine and then he just yeah. flips on um Daniel Day Lewis who is his um basically his number one on the ship, John Fryer, and just demotes him in front of all the men screams at him um, yes. says I am the captain you will listen to me you, you are a coward um, and does very, again he does a very good Anthony Hopkins rant this is where I that think if there was ever to be an iconic um, sound of this movie firstly it's yeah. the Vangelis soundtrack actually which you haven't mentioned but it is haunting no, very 80s and very haunting yeah. But also it's it's really got the Bly voice down and when he rips into somebody, which he does frequently in the movie, it's yeah. it's a sight to behold. You're the and I will love to have you, sir. I will die, sir. I have the commander sir. <laughs> That's my really yeah. I was
2: thinking this it, it's
0: this is so this is the most Anthony Hopkins <laughs> I've ever heard of Anthony Hopkins yeah. Yeah. big. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it gets more and more uh, loud, more and more kind of throaty. Yeah, this is quite brilliant. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Do
1: you hear me? So, but again, so this is so this is what's shown. So, Bly is not a great one for suffering fools, and he certainly vents his frustration in not a healthy way. He's kind of established here. So, poor old Friar is demoted. Christian, though, is on the way up. He's promoted to number two, or number one um, on the ship, um, because he's still good friends of, of, of Bly. Christian is actually with with a a great ability not to read the room thinks oh this is great I'm number one rather than thinking about Bly will turn on his number one at the slightest setback Um, so everything's still rosy unless you're Mr Fryer um, and they make it to Tahiti um, which again is is a source of a Great pleasure for all the men because lots of naked Tahitian ladies swim out to the boat and and are very happy to see them. Lots and lots,
0: yes. um... Yeah, the film. The film took me most of the evening to watch because I was pausing. (laughs) No, 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 for research purposes uh, to make to make detailed notes about what I thought of the film. That, That particular scene where they. They dock into Tahiti. I did spend quite a lot of time just exploring the the, f- the flora and the fauna and the dress and uh, the flowers that the ladies were wearing. It's very authentic. I felt good. Good. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad it's... you approve of that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is a, there also there is a there's a lot of you know topless ladies in the film. There is. there and, is. Um, and they, you know they're jiggling around and they have this um, they have a, uh, a like a, a ritual that, that all of the the men are um you know sat down and, and asked to watch and it's about uh, it's, it's quite sexualized. it's kind of a fertility you know. ritual to make it's the fertility friends, ritual, ritual yeah and i was thinking yeah. crikey o'reilly this is you know this is fairly hefty stuff yeah. and um it I, i'm reading somewhere that um when it was released it was released as a pg
2: yeah
0: and, and, I, and it was released as a pg under the national geographic rule which meant that if um if in films um Um, cultures or nationalities were represented in their natural or um, national dress even if the national dress was not many clothes, it was considered um, of cultural importance and so therefore couldn't be given a 15 or an 18 certificate based on that
1: I think that's how Zulu got away with it as well
0: yeah, yeah, um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Which is fair it's, enough it's because long, it, yeah. I it's been as long um, <laughs> focusing on the detail
1: of that. Yeah. In, fair, in fairness, to the to the film, it, it's kind of the nakedness is all around, and it certainly it is, excites yeah. the men a lot. But it's never really in the sense. I'm It's not portrayed in an erotic sense. It's not. There's no like lingering male gaze up and down the the Tahitian ladies. They're simply shown mostly in in the wide shot of a lot of nakedness, um, uh, and again, mostly culturally appropriate
0: yeah i i no i don't i'm I'm not sure that I completely agree no. with that maybe we'll come on to that maybe okay. we'll come on to that yeah
1: i'll pin in that one then yeah
0: um but uh, again,
1: th- this this actually the first meeting that Bly has with King Tahana, who's again the the chief of the uh, of tahitian island um is interesting from two things. One, again, it shows Bligh in quite a positive light in that he is not just a commander of a small ship. He's actually able to conduct a negotiation, mm. a fairly tricky one too. If it all goes wrong, they are stuck on the other side of the world without without any friends. Um, so he's able to negotiate with King Tahana for a kind of safe safe port and and food and water and like that, and also the breadfruits they've come for, and they kind of negotiate their way around it. And also King Tahana, um, I think, is portrayed in quite an interesting way because... Watching it certainly with with fresh eyes, um, I think there's a lot of ambiguity about how much he does or does not know. He is, you could just read it on a flat level, as in he's the ignorant savage that they are able to trick into giving them breadfruits. But I'm, I you do get the sense certainly from the way he behaves and acts is that he knows that he knows that they've come here. They could be trouble if they're not placated, and therefore yeah. you know we will give them what they want, and then they'll go away. And that seems to be a much more nuanced way certainly that a lot of um, Kind of indigenous people are portrayed on movies yeah, this era. Yeah. Um,
0: Yes, I think I think he 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 comes across as a uh, an observer and a savvy decision maker, as it were, someone who's questioning. Um, when um, Bly talks about um, James Cook um, being alive and well, yeah, and um, the king is very skeptical of this. I mean, he's won over, yeah, but it, yeah, they, they are they are they they are equals. Yeah, Back. and um, they see other as equals as well.
1: Yeah, which again is um, which is a good job of that. So, but again, they've arrived now at their mission. Um, so the, all they have got to do now is grow enough bread fruits to stick into the bounty and then sail away. Um, mm. so the problem that is that it's taking longer than expected because um because of the time of year in fact they they mentioned something like they're, they're like 13 weeks overdue they, um, so it is quite a huge chunk of the year to just be hanging around waiting for, for plants to grow and of course in that time um, the men essentially become decadent they're no longer sailors they're quite happy lounging around on the beach having sex with Tahitian women and eating coconuts mm-hmm. um, and and again most of the officers go the same way, Um, particularly Christian who catches the eye of King Tahana's daughter, or King Taina rather, King Taina's daughter, Um, and again there's a a romance happens there, Um, Mostly probably because you're looking at two people who are, you know, probably in their young twenties who fancy each other, rather than any kind of deep star-crossed yeah. lovers. I never got the sense there was much connection because they don't much yeah. talk. They kind of look at each other and giggle a lot. Um,
0: yeah, and g- given given that they were both at the fertility rites, they probably had their juices flowing a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of flesh on the show. You know, Mel Gibson's flesh is you know not unappealing in that context as yeah, well. it,
1: so. it, it was yes, yeah, certainly young Gibson. He hadn't had it yeah. gone to decay. Okay. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so yeah, so again they, they have the They uh, have the tryst, and they basically spend all their time hanging around each other now. Um, So Bly is, again, not happy with the general decadence and and laxity that's that's flowing around his crew. Um, Also, again, we mentioned the the Vangelis soundtrack. It it does a good job of ramping up the tension. Um, There's this kind of overpowering beats that show that not all is well in paradise lots of close-ups of sweating faces and um and this kind of stuff and yeah. it shows that, again Bly is eager because Bly of course is the only one who doesn't really partake in uh, in everything that's offered so no, he's has to, he has to sit in his little cabin um, and wait for the, the plants to grow <laughs> Yes. <Yeah. laughs> um and uh, cause so um so trouble is brewing. It's clearly come to a confrontation while fletcher is having tattoos then fletcher really does kind of go into the um the, uh, the gap year he gets 90, doesn't yeah, he. he's like a gap year who Ray Henry really because he he, get, he gets yeah. he gets the corals around his neck and he gets tattoos yeah. and uh, you know he he finds a, a more peaceful way of life in, the, in Tahiti, um, yeah. and he's he's, really, he's not even bothering to come to the officer's mess for dinner and this kind of stuff. Yeah. And then ultimately three men, obviously led by Churchill, um, Liam Neeson, desert because they think there's a better life out there for them.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, they find in about three days that there is not a better life out there. All the other natives are really hostile. So they come back yeah. with their tops and their legs are soundly whipped. Um, <coughs> uh, and, and then they have to set sail. So they've got their breadfruits now. They've, um, they're have they all setting sail. Bly has, has already started ranting. Um, I think he started ranting. <laughs> he, sta- he started being more... Admonishing of Christian, he's he, no, he's he has, yeah. he's 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 not quite lost his temper, but his temper is there because he's basically um, Christian is actually not being a great sailor either. He's sort of saying, no, I'm, not, I'm not going, I'm not going on the ship. I like it ashore. Yeah. <laughs> <So> yeah. Bly, <laughs> Bly, he screams, "Then where well, are you going on the ship now?" Then. Yeah. And
0: yeah. the thing is, that they've been on this island for, for what seems like months.
1: Yeah, they've had a nice yeah. holiday.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I'm kind of with Bly on this. Yeah, it's like <laughs> either. You know, get back on the ship or stay here forever. You yeah. know, it's up, it's up to you. This is we to do a job. Um, yeah. So, Fletcher the, was was you know he's being he's being what he's being what he was, which was a young man, I suppose, really. Yeah. And just you know trying to kind of sort sow his seeds, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But the the scene where they get back on the ship and it starts sailing again, and you've got um Bly and and all of the um the captains in the um not the captains but the, the uh you know, the officers in the uh, Having their meal in the mess, and uh, he, he 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 tries he always tries to placate them or tries to offer an olive leaf by just saying, "You've you've all been you know really bad. You've been terrible sailors. You've been terrible officers over the last couple of months. You're a shambles, all of you. But I'm willing to forgive.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm willing to forgive you all." Um, if you work hard and you knuckle down, let's put it behind us. And you just, you think I thought, well, that's, it's kind of damning with faint praise a little bit, like because yeah. you know n- n- no one comes out of it particularly well. Um, and then he starts talking to to Fletcher Christian as well, it, you know, by himself. Says you're not leaving Flet- Fletcher yeah. uh, Christian, so you're you're gonna you're gonna stay here, and I'm gonna talk to you a bit more. And he's more patronising. Yeah, he's you know? like I'm willing, you know, willing to forget, I'm willing to forget what you did, staying and enjoying yourself. Think oh just get over it
1: <laughs> well this is the I, I've made a note of this scene as well because that was interesting he is offering in a really clumsy way some rapprochement to, to Christian yeah, saying let's just reset the clock and go back to yeah. it Um, again so he's trying I'm giving credit for that Christian it's, is literally sulking it, it is yeah. imagine what you'd a 14 year old who does something wrong would yeah. do he's just sitting finished?
0: there not, <laughs> can yeah. I go now at least finish fit up to this and then on the other side of it bly being been really like Alan Partridge Yeah. Um, you know try try to offer a, a, an olive branch but is yeah he's just f- stumbling around but i was thinking yeah, there's this there's,
1: there's, there's a couple of, of um we should actually mention what what christian has left behind the island is um matoa um so king tyner's daughter matoa who he fell in love with is also yeah. pregnant um yeah. with his child and yeah. he was you know, clearly seeing a different kind of future lying ahead of him um, he's given like a boar's tusk to wear around his neck so he can remember her forever and this kind of stuff um so he's yeah. he's, he's unhappy because of that too um but blaze is what Blair is saying to him, he's basically saying, um, "Can you obviously, honestly imagine taking her back as your wife, to, you know, on your, your grand side to meet yeah. your people in England?" And he just says, "They're not like us, Fletcher, and this kind of stuff." And certainly, from a you know 20th century audience, you think, "Oh God, Bly's just a big old racist." What's wrong with you know have a, have a melting pot yeah. of many colours? But in the terms of the 18th century, he's not completely wrong here. Fletcher Christian came back yeah, with no, a Tahitian yeah. bride in in
0: Regency England. He probably yeah. wouldn't fit in very well. <laughs> no, and it, there's, there would be a it, you know it it was a smaller world then as well so there would have been a cultural a culture shock in that context for her too i i completely agree with you it, it's a it's a shocking statement in and of itself but i think it says more about the class structures and the perceptions of of the british class system than it does about anything um more than that and i think it was probably accurate in that process yeah. it would have been very difficult for her and for him
1: yeah um and again considering they really haven't exchanged many words given they don't speak the no. same language, they've just no. you know, they just fancied a bunk up with each other. Um yeah. it's not like he's tearing apart star Starcross lovers, but there we are. <laughs> um so either way, the uh the, the attempted approachment doesn't go too well and things go downhill very quickly. Um uh, Christian is more sulky and and less um, less helpful on the ship, Bly is is more screaming and, and just goes, lashes away. There's a whole scene around yeah. the fact that Christian's crew has not properly cleaned the ship. Um, yeah. And on one hand, you're thinking, Bly's going over the top here. Stop having a go at him. On the other hand, you're <laughs> thinking, Christian, if you're told to clean the ship for the yeah. second time, make yeah. sure it's really clean. I mean, Christian is just sitting there with his head in his hands, sulking that he's been asked to do it a second time. So you can see neither one of them come off well from this, but clearly... Um, the, the way they portray it is that the men are with Christian because Christian is, is one of them and understands them and Bly is literally the man screaming and everything oh my god this captain's a lunatic now
0: um, all he's doing though all he's doing is asking for his deck to be clean yeah again that's, once again this is interesting that's his job
1: yeah this is interesting how it works is in, in terms of ship it's like a clean ship is one less likely to be diseased it's probably yeah. a good thing it should be clean and interestingly when um after the, the um Churchill and the other two deserters are flogged um because of their desertion and they're recaptured Firstly, they could have been killed for desertion. So Blight in that sense is quite merciful. I know they had their backs yeah. cut bloody with the whip yeah. but they're they're not killed. Um and secondly, if after the after the kind of the whipped men stagger back to their comrades, there is a very Good portrayal. They just basically show all the men on one side of the screen, and all the officers and the the NCOs yeah. on the other side of the screen standing off, and no one is moving. And there's that scene like, oh no, what's happening here? And yeah. to show that you know the division has been driven through the ship. But on the other hand, you're thinking in a sailing ship, you know, the Bounty had a crew of like 50. If five yeah. percent of your working men left. That makes everyone else's job a lot more hard and a lot more dangerous. Um, And you're probably thinking, I'm quite glad those guys are back and didn't desert and they should be punished because, you know, otherwise I could die die on the journey home. And this was the interesting thing, again, to to dip into the reality of it, is that a lot of the sailors didn't really mind punishments for, for infractions. They thought, mm. well, you know, if you stole, that means I don't get any food, so you should be punished. If you yeah. fall asleep on your shift, we could hit an iceberg and die. I want you to be yeah. punished for falling asleep. Yeah. So it's not so much that um, that a, you know a, a captain was brutal. In fact, Bligh was often less brutal than the other ones. Probably what he had against him was he was he was firstly inconsistent in his punishments. We can see that in the film too. He's on one hand trying to be nice, and on the other hand screaming at the men. Yeah. Um, and on the other hand, and this is kind of an, an implicate as well. Bly was a, kind of an interesting class of. of um, he wasn't, you know, the. He wasn't steerage, but he wasn't, no, he wasn't kind of. Was he? He, he wasn't the landed gentry that
0: could go into the no, Navy. He had basically
1: no. pulled himself up on hard work and applying yeah. himself.
0: So which is never... why which is why the voyage was so important to him. Yes. Uh, because he needed that reputation to yeah. get into that landed gentry class as it were. He wasn't he wasn't accepted in the same way. Yeah. Whereas Christian
1: actually, though he's a lower rank, is noticeably posher than Bly. Yeah. Um
0: yeah,
1: and that may also be the fact that why Christian was so easy able to sway the men over to his side yeah. because he probably had that more ease of, of being in charge or telling people what to do than Bly yeah. did, who but he never felt comfortable, so he doesn't seem comfortable here. But to the film, the the mutiny scene um is, is inevitable. Um but there is quite a nice scene right for it when Fletcher, go, Fletcher goes to Bly to warn him, to, you know, um basically Bly says we're going round the horn again because we're gonna circumnavigate the globe. Yeah. I've got a great idea and um It's like of... the worst
0: time to say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh <laughs> It, it, Bly's worst crime is misreading the situation. <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, the uh, there's it's not. He's
1: basically after. It's like two days after he shouted at the entire crew for not cleaning the deck and stealing coconuts. He now decides, <laughs> I've got a great idea, boys. You know that thing that nearly killed us last time. We're going to do it again. Um, <laughs> yes. And actually, one of the more popular sailors blurts out, "You're going to kill us all." Um, and Bly orders him to be flogged for his cowardice, and that's seen as the um, the spark that sets the certainly sets Christian saying. Um, he wants to go well in fact christian's first response is to build a little raft and try and sail away um yeah. look, again it's interesting i'm not sure where he was going to go because he couldn't have made it back to tahiti because that was three weeks away he was going to make yeah. it to a little island which even um one of his comrades says you'll never make it to that island with the with the knot running um yeah,
0: and it, that, that's historically accurate as well though isn't it yeah I, I, yeah christian yeah, did, yeah did so try the, desert he first. wasn't actually going to he was going to leave the ship yeah. rather than the other way round originally but the it was too small
1: yeah, it actually does historically accurately Christian as being bonkers, which he clearly was, as he yeah. uh, yeah. was portrayed later, yeah. and in fact we'll come into um, the person who advises him, again played by Phil Davis, which is again a great character actor yeah. too, yeah. He's, he's Mr Young, he's basically one of the, the lesser officers, so he's, he's, um, he's on a pier with, with Christian, he comes over and warns Christian, you know, don't sail over, you'll kill yourself, you know what you could do? You could take the ship. Um, and pretty much, Young hasn't appeared in a lot. But it's it's in the latter half of the film. He appears as pretty much the bad angel on Christian's shoulders. Yeah, you're right. um, yeah.
0: yeah. He's, he's the persuader, isn't he? Yeah. And and so, you know, if I, if I was you, if I was you, Christian, I, I'd, I'd take the ship. Yeah. And then and then he says, uh, Christian says, well, why don't you do it then? Because I'm not you.
1: Yeah, and and as he, Phil Davis plays him as a very cool, calm, collected character, yeah. when everyone else is is basically getting a bit rough around the edges and yeah. and and getting a bit crazy, Chris Davis just kind of oozes in like a snake, and just he does doesn't he? He's, yeah. he's he not a bead of sweat he's a on him. a serpent. Yeah, he's, he's his hair is in his his uniform perfectly tied. Yeah. Even yeah. that again, he does say like you're not the only one who left someone on the island, but you never see him with a Tahitian girl or no, appearing to prefer the life. Yeah. Um, yeah. and again, I've written in the notes like. The couple of the drawbacks in the movie is um, Bly is very well portrayed I as mean, think you get under the yeah. skin of Bly Christian yeah, is also to some extent very portrayed you don't get a lot of anyone else you get some no. great performances but you don't really understand why the men are so willing to follow Christian mm. why mm. the loyalists are so willing to stay yeah. loyal to Bly and, it's
0: and, interesting and big, that, that's, yeah. that's something that I've written in my notes yeah. as well So why,
1: why Mr Young is such a bastard
0: because yeah, yeah. Well, because also, can, yeah. yeah. Why, why Why? are Why are all the men following Christian yeah he's yeah
1: but yeah so anyway so that they, they follow him they do because after Bly has um, Christian has his, his wonderful face off with Bly for the last time and Bly um, now does quiet angry at him um, and <laughs> And it's it's going it to clearly show the meeting from Christian's perspective because Bly is probably just trying to keep order, and all Christian can see is this bug-eyed, sweating man that's yeah. going to lead them to certain damnation, and he better do something about it. And so he does. He um he corrals the ship who are the men of the ship who are, who are unhappy, and they basically spring the mutiny and round up all the the commanders. So Mister Fryer, um, Bernard Hill, who's the kind of the bosun and this kind of stuff, they they all get drawn up as Mister as is Mister Bly, and um. John Sessions John Sessions he's he's the butler that's <laughs> so, he's... Yeah. yeah and for um for basically there's the a scene that was going to come you knew you know you know the meaning it's quite they done quite well it's it's played with a lot of randomness and confusion rather than uh, an overall yeah. sense of this is the, 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 the finale and that's probably how it worked it was just no yeah, one knew what yeah, the hell it, was going yeah, on it's,
0: yeah it's played as if it, the decisions that were made were very quick and yeah. maybe ill thought through yeah. but and, had, yeah. it, it had to go through with it as a consequence
1: yeah and people are literally it's changing setting. sides as, as it's happening that people are going to and from the deck because the sailors themselves can't work out is it better to be a mutineer and yeah. and have temporary safety but long-term peril or side with Bly and possibly Possibly get thrown overboard, but you know at least be on the, the right side of the law. And it's yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting how that's played. It's like, well, what would you do if you were in that situation? It's it's not an easy choice. Um, but um, I mean, well, I mean, this is, I,
0: one one side of the choice, one okay. side of the divide has naked Tahitian women. The <laughs> other side has uh, certain death on the sea. So you yeah, know that's that's where that's where I lay. That's
1: right. you would <laughs> end up on Pitkin's Island, would you? <laughs>
0: Yes, I worked in the end. <laughs> yeah. would, a, would, to be honest, I would have died a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have made it to Tahiti in the first place.
1: Yeah, I'd have, I'd have been overboard on Cape Horn before it
0: happened. <laughs> yeah, so it's all moot.
1: Yeah. But, um, so again, the uh, and at this point, it's quite an interesting contrast in acting styles because Christian is now the one going crazy. Actually, Bly is, is both angry and surprised, but mm. not off his chain Christian really is Christian is bug-eyed with like screaming I am in hell <laughs> um, and like he's, I, don't know, I
2: don't know what to do yeah literally he's, what he's, what he's, do?
1: Like, he's like jabbing his sword at Bly and he's jabbing his sword at a mutineer who's, who says let's kill Bly he's like ah, blah, blah, I do not know what to do apparently this was this was also again historically recorded and in- Gibson did his best to do it although I I remember an interview much later with Gibson saying when he was a younger actor he felt that that more was more as in if he if he screamed and and ran around he was being a better job of it it's an interesting contrast that
0: Gibson did his best (laughs) yes Yes, just just leave it at that
1: (laughs) it's an interesting contrast though with with again Anthony Hopkins's rants around the movie he seemed to have a much better handle on how to how to accurately rant Um,
0: (laughs) well I think Hopkins is just better at hamming it up isn't he yeah yeah you know fundamentally he's a he's a he's a theater actor yeah. he knows how to hand it up
1: yeah and, and how many he does
0: he does yeah
1: um so again the back to the mutiny scene so again the, the the lines are divided and they basically stick bligh and quite a lot of the crew into a, a longboat and tell him to off you go um i think they give them a compass but nothing else and very little bit of food and uh, and Again, the Evangelist music starts to pump in as all the bread have are thrown overboard and the missions a failure and the boat is sailing away and, and the world has turned upside down. Yeah. Um, and so Christians... So then, of course, the narrative divides. We get Bly, who decides... Um, they have one. They have one attempt to stop at a friendly island, which turns out to be not so friendly, because all the natives decide to eat blind the crew. Um, and they they club one of his men to death. And that's the, the that's indication again. Once again, for a PG, this man is beaten to the ground and had his head smashed in with stones. Yeah, um, I know. It was yeah, it was fairly gruesome. It was yeah. Um, I I did find the irony of Anthony Hopkins of of escape cannibals to be uh, not lost on me. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh but yeah, so this this is also indicating that Bligh this is again a true story, but Bligh realizes then that stopping an island is not an option. he's basically have to sail yeah. this little boat across half the Pacific over the open sea about five thousand miles to reach a friendly port um and after a lot of hardship, he actually manages to do it, which again yeah. is is both yeah. a true and also an incredible sign of Bligh's. Incredible seamanship. You know, he did it from memory, um essentially, which was a, a, yeah. Know. It's
0: quite astonishing, and in, in many ways, that in and of itself is an interesting film. Yeah, yeah, totally. That that would be a that would be an absolutely astonishing story of survival. You know, my it, understanding
1: it's, was it's, that this was originally meant to be two films. They wanted to do the whole yeah. back-to-back shooting and have mutiny as as film number one, and what came after was film number two, which yeah. again would have been the whole film there
0: it was supposed to be directed by David Lean as well, but he had a stroke. Oh, did he? Yeah, that yeah, would, that and that's been... uh, so that, that's when they decided to make it one film.
1: Okay, well there we are. Then. That would have that would have been even more intense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that was like interestingly again back to the two story. Even though he did this, you know superhuman feat of getting them home um, Bly still was not making any friends on board the jolly boat you'd think all thrown no. together he, uh, in the true story he tried to court martial a couple of the guys who were playing up on the jolly boat and you really? think yeah a couple of guys you like for cowardice or whatever well I think the circumstances are not what they should be and a lot of the men who were on board the ship testified against Bly in the trial because they were pissed off with him too
0: So sure. even... I really really like Bly <laughs> he just <laughs> like, wasn't a people person that is fantastic. <laughs> if you, if you, but if, if
1: you not... if you're on a boat for weeks and weeks and weeks on end with, you know, stuff to the girls, you're starving, you're thirsty, you think you'll die, and you can't bond in that circumstance. <laughs> you'll never bond. <laughs>
0: He, yeah. Oh, no, that's rubbish, isn't it? What was the name of the um? what was the name of the character that Denim Elliott played in Too Late, the hero? Oh, Mr. Hornsby. This is, that, he's Mr. Hornsby, isn't he? <laughs> he like tries, but he just he took no social awareness or emotional intelligence.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm certainly relating to him now. <laughs> <laughs> but you can shout and shake. You can, you can, which is, you know, more important skills than actually having people like you. Um,
0: I just like the idea, I like the idea you've spent three months adrift at sea in a boat with like 20 other men and you're going to die and you've still been (laughs) court-martialed. I mean, there's no space on that boat to move. How can you be (laughs) court-martialed? What have you done to be court-martialed on a boat with no space? (laughs) Uh, yeah, court um, marshalling involves doing something that involves a court martial must involve some kind of physical movement. <laughs> <laughs> but think about the people who testified against him. You think you know, no bad as he was, he got
1: us through. He you know he managed to save yeah. us safety. But you know what? He's, I still don't like him. <laughs> he's, still a, he's still a bastard.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh.
2: Yeah.
1: Anyway, so that, that was, that, that was the end of Bly's story. And in fact, it, again, his, his story is portrayed, you know, there's, there's a lovely, you know, there's, funny thing, there's some optimistic music finally when they reach the, 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 the Dutch port. Um, cool. And Bly basically he's bearded, he staggers ashore with his, his log under his arm and reports to the governor, which is a very nice moment. He's like, rather than just crawling ashore and begging for water, he's like, I wish to report an act of piracy. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Lieutenant yeah. Bly. And I thought a good idea. Like they, they do, right. they do come through hell. Um, yeah, it's yeah. um, uh, yeah. By the way,
0: when when uh when Hugh says that um he comes ashore with with his his log under his arm, <laughs> he does he does not, it's not a piece of bark that he's befriended. <laughs> his only friend on the five thousand Wilson, he's, in, bit in, wood. he's a bit of piece of the ship. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he demotes Mister Farragut and promotes Wilson to be the second in command. <laughs>
0: No, it's not that kind of log. It's yeah. his diary.
1: There is actually a scene. I'm gonna yeah, digress again. In in this time on the boat, when they're dividing up um, a bit a bit of seabird they've managed to catch, and basically, uh the, the trick is that um, Bernard Hill holds up a bit of manky or meat, and Bly decides, without looking at it, who gets it. Yeah. Um, one of the men. Um. Starts kicking off, saying, "You know, we never get our share. The officers get it at the first. You know, I'm, I'm, I deserve food too. Um, I, I think goes, I'm as much a man as you are." Then basically, Bly firstly, squares off to him, and you know, basically, tells him to sit down and shut up. Um, but so one thing shows the heart, the harsh hand. But then also says him, give him, give my share of the food. Um, yeah. Which again shows, you know, he's, he's holding the ship together. Although yeah. the reason I mention this scene is, the sailor who's shouting, "I'm as much a man as you," is the only man on the boat who hasn't grown a beard. <laughs> Everybody else has like a three week beard because they're at sea. And this guy's almost, he's got bum flap. I think well, you're, you're not
0: that much three of a man. Sea, three months at sea, but not even at... a five o'clock shadow. Yeah.
1: You're not much of a man as Bly.
0: Have seen Bly's beard? <laughs> <laughs> also, it's odd that Daniel Day Lewis. After three months at sea with no food and a big beard, looks so much more appropriate <laughs> than at the start of the film where he's clean shaven, tidy, and. Um, I was going
1: to mention that yeah. you only see him in the background, but he's wearing uh, like a sailor's bicorn um, sideways on his head, with with cloth dripping draping down. Um, I assume to keep himself out of the sun. He looks like the oddest plague doctor you can imagine but yeah. you bet your bottom dollar that's an authentic bit of costume oh, that Daniel
0: yeah. Day-Lewis checked out and if thought Day-Lewis, I'm wearing that if Day-Lewis is wearing it like that yeah, they say you you can you bet, the, bet the farm on that that's how he wore it well uh, you know the, one of the things actually interesting about the film was that, that Daniel Day-Lewis actually did undertake a 5,000 mile journey uh, in the South Pacific As alone well without any food or water As so well in preparation should. for his minor role in the county <laughs>
1: he <laughs> he, didn't. Is, he, did. he would have <laughs> I think if the director had signed off on it, he would have, he's, he's still yeah. young in his craft at that point.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but so anyway, so um, so that's Bly's story. Christian, meanwhile, has sailed the bounty with the, most of the crew back to Tahiti. Um, and again, King Tyner once again, displays a bit of gumption saying, I didn't expect you to come back. So it wasn't like the entire island was saying, oh, good, Fletcher's back, this is lovely. is um, very happy to see him, but King Tyner's not, because he basically says, if you stay here people are going to come with guns aren't they um,
2: yeah
1: and he, and he sums up quite quickly saying you've got to go and there was actually an emotional moment when um christian basically emotionally blackmails him into letting his daughter come with him um so and
0: uh which i think is possibly the worst decision in the film for that per- for for in, 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 as an in, i know that she loves him yeah but they've said maybe four words to each other <laughs> uh They've known each other for a couple of months, and she's basically sacrificed what what looks like an incredibly idyllic life. Yeah, go onto a boat with some maniacs. Yeah, it's
1: yeah. not it's not good. And again, you you really it's hard to appreciate certainly in this modern age. If you leave an island, you'll never see that island again, especially if if you something happens to your boat. Um yeah. so you, that's, that's it. You're yeah. Finished. Yeah, it's not like I'm I'm leaving up back in a couple of years. Like well that, yeah. that is it. I've I've now left and I will never see this yeah. island again. Yeah. Um yeah, so she makes the unwise decision. Um half the crew of the bounty um, some were genuinely not mutineers and they couldn't fit on Bly's boats they were left behind yeah. to wait for the next ship to come along um, a lot of the, the mutineers decide do you know what I think I'd rather pretend I was innocent <laughs> among them yeah. was Churchill who um, <laughs> how he expected to pass for an innocent amongst the mutineers yeah. I don't know the true story is that Churchill didn't even make it as far as being arrested he was such trouble on the island he was killed um, oh, really? he came to a bad end and really you could see that coming
0: <laughs> Yeah. <he laughs> um, Liam Neeson's uh, portrayal of him is, is is very, is a- accurately annoying.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but, again, as Churchill, he is basically the voice of dissent amongst the crew. He's the one that's always murmuring about Mr. Bly and Bloody Mighty and this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, half the crew remain. So, he's basically left with Fletcher. Once again, Mr. Mr. Young, who is who was joining Fletcher, yep. so clearly had strong feelings about leaving on the ship as well yeah. and and a couple of the tougher mutineers all sail off. Fletcher's new plan to avoid getting caught by the British is basically Pitkin's island which was a not a basically a poorly charted island that someone discovered once has no anchorage and is not really on the yeah. chart so if we we sail along a line of latitude we'll find it and then we can just stay hidden forever yeah. and again things go downhill very quickly. Once again, led by Mister Young, who is now uh, yeah, yeah. The, the the men against. Uh, once again, what is Young's game here? Is he, yeah. I'm sure he's just <laughs> the devil who came down disguised as a, as a British ensign in the ship, because he now is is turning on Christian, saying, you know, you better find us an island, or there's going to be yeah. trouble. And the men now getting impatient with Christian, saying, look, if you can't find an island, we're going back to Tahiti. And Christian's like, we're going to find Pitkin's Island, don't you worry. And it ends ends up basically holding a gun to Mr Young's head while Mr Young steers the boat to find Pitkin's island and the rest of the men are on the other side of the boat ready to spring forward the moment Christian falls asleep so it's um it's not a happy voyage but they do find Pitkin's island
0: just Um, in time
1: oh yeah literally it's like it's the last shred of thing and the lookout saves the day so they find this island and set fire to the bounty which is last seen you know sinking into the the bay of Pitkin's island and again Adams, who is often just the voice of the men, articulates, we'll never see England again now, will we? Yeah. Um, which is, again, as the point, that's it. They are never going off this island. They have no ship or anything. They better hope Pitkin's Island suits them, because that's it. And, that's very much, and then it ends with, I think, I don't think, I think it ends with the, the burning of the ship, although... Previous to that, the the framing device has ended with Mister. Bly being both exonerated for losing yeah. the ship and commended for the voyage he made to the Dutch yeah. thing, So he's all right.
0: Um, yeah, he comes out of it. Yeah, and yeah. it is quite with an emotional thing.
1: As, as they as they as they give him his verdict, he's you know, he's got his hat under his arm and he's looking glassy eyed forward, and the yeah. music swells, yeah. and yeah. Bly is is moved to as much emotion as he can manage. And then as,
0: it, it cuts to like a, a a final kind of slow scene of um, Fletcher and the mutineers just on the edge of a cliff. As they've um, landed at Pitcairn, yeah, looking slightly nervous. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>.
1: As <laughs> as as well, they should be. be for the the, yeah, the, ep- exactly, the epilogue yeah. reveals that within a couple of years they'd mostly killed
0: each other. Yeah. Well, am I right in thinking that John Adams, who was the um, one one of the mutineers, was the one that lasted the longest? I think on Pitkin. Well, not not and just actually, the longest. Yeah, he, he's kind of the, the, he the patriarch. One, he was became a patriarch and almost like a godlike figure because he he kept control of the. The, yeah. the whole the whole kind of commune as
1: it were well yeah basically yeah the the to, just this was kind of summed up in the, the closing narrative but what happened was um the the native tahitian men that came along to help crew the ship was sent by king yeah. Tiner, um brisley weren't very happy at the english sailors taking their wives so they killed some english sailors christian was amongst the first to die then the english sailors retaliated by killing i think the, the actually the Tahitian wives retaliated a lot of feud broke out amongst the whole city and um, amongst the whole island and when the dust settled john adams was the only man left alive with a lot of tahitian women and children left um, and so yeah. yeah it was basically narrowed the genetic pool I'd of magic
0: of pitkins island quite quite closely um it is it's astonishing to think that um the the direct lineage can so clearly and easily be linked back to the mutiny uh, on pitkin yeah think Fifty or sixty people live on Pitcairn. Yeah. They all have the same surnames. <laughs> yeah, mostly. It, it, they do though. It's, ge- it's yeah, genuinely yeah. insane. I mean, how are they not kind of congenital diseases or well, because you can, the gene pool is so small? But you could say actually they had
1: you know, they had a leg up genetic wise because half of the genes started off being Polynesian and half being English. So you you yeah. started off with a big mashup. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, Pitkin being a rock is actually having its own um, demographic problems because you started off with like two hundred fifty years ago, and it's it's declining. Um, but that's yeah. a, that's a digression. But it is interesting that yeah, an entire island was populated and a, a central colony began from an act of this piracy. So it it's yeah, an, that's it's an interesting so... footnote. But um, that's by the by of the film. The film. The film, the film well, that's not the, Weekend at Crombie's, is it? That's not Weekend at Crombie's. Um, the, the film does kind of hit saying they saved Christian, made it back to England. It's like, no, he didn't.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> he
1: clearly got murdered on the island, and that was the end of yeah. it. And, and he came to a bad end, and Bly came to a kind of good one. And actually, that's probably the, the, the thrust of the film, is that it's an attempt to rehabilitate Bly um, a lot more so than the other films.
0: Um, yeah, and Bly is certainly a flawed character, but he's he, he comes across in the film not as completely unreasonable yeah i think it did Not try complete. to strike a
1: balance but i think yeah. in in trying to be fair and also reasonably accurate it favors Bly probably because that's how what accuracy would be
0: would be yeah yeah that's that's true i think in in reality probably uh, christian was far more to blame for the situation than Bly. i mean you know, yeah that,
1: that'd be my take both on the film and, and reading the historic although interestingly yeah. Bly <laughs> subsequently had two more mutinies he suffered <laughs> uh,
0: yeah he's uh, the, the, the... He on a boat in the middle of the South Pacific <laughs> 5,000 miles
1: a <laughs> <No. laughs> little jolly boat <laughs> mutinied against him they had an even <laughs> smaller boat to put him in he just he was given a rubber he was given a rubber, was rubber ring, ring. Back, yeah, like, he had to pull behind here. the boat no, the second <laughs> mutiny really wasn't his fault. It was a it was an overall naval mutiny that he was that, that happened to whole fleet and and was kind of more of like a, a labor dispute that he just happened to be part of. So you can, he was yeah. exonerated from that one. The second, the third one was when he was made governor of um, uh, New South Wales, and and again not from any kind of tyranny or brutality. He was a, a vice admiral by this point, um, so he rose up the ranks and died quite a quite a um, well-to-do man. He did. He did get the colony turning against him. I think basically because of the same reasons. Very high-handed and having no nuance on how to handle people. Oh. Um, so not again. He wasn't. He wasn't certainly wasn't the most brutal um, captain. Uh, and the naval officer he wasn't particularly a bad captain but he just wasn't great with
0: people um, interestingly like, yeah he's just too much like Richard Madeley. <laughs> he doesn't quite or Alan Partridge doesn't quite get the, he can't read the situation yeah
1: yeah so that's very that's, yeah. and it's it's a, it's a harsh crime but you just keep getting mutineers following him interestingly the captain <laughs> who came the captain who came to Tahiti after Bly the one who found all the mutineers and brought them back oh, yeah. to England was a much worse captain he was a, oh, really? he was genuinely nasty and brutal and had all the mutineers, whether they were innocent or not, so all the bounty men, whether they were put by the mutiny, locked in irons in below text to be taken back to the, back to England. His ship sank on the way and had to jump off and get into Australia, Um, and he didn't really bother unchaining the mutineers. It was only because a a well-meaning sailor from his ship came down and unbolted them quickly, that most of them managed to get out, but some of them drowned in the ship. Um, So really, this bounty, no one got off lightly. There was no good path off the bounty. Once you started on that voyage, you were pretty much done for.
0: Um, (laughs) So they its blinded pretty well.
1: Yeah, yeah. actually, I was trying to work out the odds, because some of the, Bly got all his men to the Dutch colony, a few of them died later because of the privations of the journey, they just, the, the system yeah. just couldn't cope yeah. with it, um, and I'm trying to work out odds-wise, where's it best to be? Do you want to be on Bly's jolly boat? Do you want to be on the Tahiti and get captured by this mad captain who chains you up? Do you want to go to Pitkin's Island and all get murdered? It's like there, are, you, you, there was no good odds anywhere no. in this voyage. The good odds is to not go on the Van voyage in the first place, or be the guy <laughs> that got burned in Cape Horn, because at least he ended quick
0: yeah that's true yeah or like you and i which fell off the boat as it left portsmouth <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well that's the journey of the synopsis of the bounty for episode 11 of weekend at Crombie's. shall we now move on to um a bit of analysis of the film
1: we shall uh, join us
2: for that
0: Welcome back um, to episode eleven of the uh, Weekend at Crombie's, where we're talking about the Bounty. We've had a, 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 um, a thorough discussion um, of the synopsis of the film. We're going to talk about the analysis of it now, and obviously this was Hugh's film, film that he chose. So Hugh, will you will you kick off with some some thoughts about the Bounty, and then I'll, I'll interject as, as we go go on.
1: I will. Well, the reason I chose the film, which is where we lead, um, <coughs> is. Again, it's a it's a film I saw uh, in my childhood in the eighties. Um, mm. You mentioned the National Geographic effect. It certainly was introduced to me by my parents, saying, "Oh, you'll enjoy this film. It's historical. You'll learn something." And did,
0: they, I think, did they know that there was lots of topless women in
1: it? They did. As we watched it, they watched it for the first time as <laughs> well, of I course, did if too. One
0: realizes as you watch it. As you
1: watch. Well, I think it was <laughs> there the, was the <laughs> moment when Liam was beating a man's face bloody. That the, the first moments began. That do you think this is appropriate? And. <laughs> and, and uh, but by the time it came to Tahitian, it got to that stage where no one wants to be the one to get up and turn the film off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, it was like you—you you know, your kids shouldn't be
0: watching this, but you can't really say, "Right, film's over now." Um, so you because then, gotta... then then it's 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 more obvious about why you've turned it off, <laughs> yes. and then you just get loads of questions about it. Why why did you turn that off then? because the, <laughs> of the boobs. <laughs> Actually, it's
1: just you, easier to sit through it. Yeah, usually actually when my my mother um, did an intervention and in a film, it was just because it's boring. <laughs> You'd have like, and then maybe someone would start swearing, and like, click, click. Well, that was a very boring film, wasn't it? It's like, oh, oh. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was just getting interesting. Yeah. Um So we did did watch the whole thing, and I remember it. it I mean, it it left an indelible mark because I remember, because um, like, I I had no idea what was going on. And I. Um, Well, I knew what was going on, but I had no idea what would happen next. Like, when the moments, when it gets really intense, like, I remember the the little jolly boat scene when um, one of the men is shouting at Bly, I thought, Is Bly going to kill him? Because I've just seen a man get his head smashed in with a rock. I think Bly's going to kill him. And the music's... And I thought, I was so off my centre of gravity, having clearly only watched, I guess, simple morality tale films, where there was a good person who must learn a lesson and then achieve a good thing. Mm -hmm. This was... Off the charts. I thought I don't understand what's happening here, but I'm well into it. Um, so yeah, I, I remember being blown away. As possible. probably Point was one of the first, I guess, um, non-linear is not quite the way to say it, but I mean, actually it actually did happen in a non-linear way. That too, that was that was an interesting yeah. thing too, is it was probably the first adult is probably the wrong way to say as well. Yeah. It wasn't an adult yeah, film. No, but it, it was the no. You know what I mean? It yeah. was, it was the first film that didn't follow a traditional story narrative. Um, yeah, yeah, and that it, stuck yeah. with me.
0: Yeah, so it, it presented a different way of telling um, a relatively chronologically straightforward story yeah. in an interesting way.
1: Yeah, so that was one of the why it stuck with me. Also, I wanted to, again, look at a historical movie, which we've not yeah. quite done yet, Santa Claus yeah. movie notwithstanding, um, <laughs> and, and just see how that stands up as as a piece of, because I do want to see it as a, again, a piece of entertainment, a piece of something, a, a, a movie, yeah. rather than, it's not a documentary, It's but it does bed itself in its history and it's not it's certainly you know trying to say this is the history that happened.
0: So have have you seen the other versions of the story?
1: Much later on I have.
0: Um, okay. I, so I've not seen any of them. I've only seen this.
1: Yeah I've seen the um the Marlon Brando one where um Trevor Howard is bly. Yeah. It's
0: got Richard Harris in it as well, is not it? Does it? yeah it does yeah
1: ah, okay yeah. oh yeah okay it's all yes i remember that i mean with that one it again it's interesting the times where things are, and i've seen clips of the um the charles um haughtery oh, no. charles yeah. I said charles haughtery charles haughtery charles haughtery <Hortry was William laughs> William William. carry on up the carry on up tahiti um, <laughs> charles haughtery is captain blind <laughs> oh there's um, a carry-on film they missed um but yeah um so i saw the charles lawton one as in performances but i didn't see it all the way through yeah. certainly in the 50s one, it's it's almost it's very countercultural Marlon Brando is essentially you know the, uh, the easy rider on board a ship he's doing the most atrocious english accent which he favors um but he's, he's shown as the, the 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 hero of the the, you know, the the free man that just wants to do his own thing and you know um, not get bound down by the man <laughs> um but but again blight is shown as ridiculously tyrannical he, he will um the, the the he will just punish the men for anything he will he, he has the pettiest reasons for doing things the meeting actually kicks off um because Bly refused to give water to a dying man because he doesn't want to waste water, and, and it's that kind of stuff. Um, and in front of the men, and it's, and Christian basically punches one man and says, I'm taking the ship, you blackguard! Um, As <laughs> so it, it's, it's, again, it obviously feels utterly staged. The, the ship itself yeah. is a stage, but whereas this film is, you know, it's, it's intensely claustrophobic. We haven't got into that yet, but, you know, you can see, you can see how a meeting happened because, you know, a couple of men wake up in the night, grab the guns, haul the people up, and basically in the confusion come out on top. This was, you know, much more of a, a stage man. And even Christian's yeah. death, which they, they do go on and portray in Pitkin Island, is shown because I think he's trying to save the ship, the bounty, and he gets accidentally killed by a, a burning uh, timber. Oh, really? Him. It's Why, really okay. shown as, you know, he did his very best and he's a hero. So, yeah. And my understanding is in the previous film as well, um, Christian is seen as the hero and Bly the villain. And it's and this all has its, has its chain. Back in the original history too, we see Bly getting grilled by the Admiralty. Um, hmm. Again, Christian is also um, quite accurately portrayed as being um, a person with social connections. He again, he wasn't terribly well off because he had to go on these, he had to make his name as a, a seaman too. He had to go on board ships, but he did yeah. have good social connections, and those social connections came down on Bly like a ton of bricks. I think his brother was a lawyer, and if you're going to clear Christian's name, you've got to blacken Bly's name, and so Bly yeah. did take an awful lot of stick in the subsequent trials of the mutineers. Um, because the ones who made it back off the ship are the ones who weren't drowned. Um, there were mutineers who were put on trial, and the, all this came out, and the idea was, come down on Bly, and therefore clear Christian's name. And that essentially set the mark of William Bly as being the tyrannical captain, and Christian as being the hero of the men. That really wasn't addressed until now. This is probably the first pop culture attempt to show the alternate view.
0: Yeah, and I think... Um just thinking about the the kind of structure of the film and the way that it presents that the 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 thing i liked about the film probably most of all was that revisionist tale that revisionist perspective and you know i i mean that in in a broadest possible sense because bligh doesn't come out of the film completely in pearly whites necessarily he, he he's a flawed he's a flawed person but i think that his His decision making, as flawed as it is, is is not based on any intrinsic, violent, brutal uh, um, misanthropy. It's much more based on the needs of the uh, adherence to naval law, um, the unflinching and absolutely uh, non-negotiable necessity to keep order on the ship um and his inability to communicate with other um shipmates effectively is what brings his downfall fletcher on the other hand um perhaps perhaps it's not portrayed brilliantly in the film i don't think but fletcher for me is the impertinent um he's the the young man that basically falls in love with um a woman and decides well, that's it. I'm going to be moody for the rest of the journey. <laughs> that's what I mean. Yeah, I don't yeah, I was obviously not historically accurate. I don't know, but yeah. um, that's the impression I got from from Christian. Was that he, he he wasn't interested after they landed on the island because he had a he had a squeeze. Yeah, and that's effectively it. And so, if that is the case, I'm afraid that in any however the film portrays Bly, I'm with Bly because it's it it seems immature and tantamount to treason effectively and there's no real explanation of you know outside of why you fell in love why that's okay yeah I guess.
1: yeah and well, in- indeed again yeah, like yeah and again christian <laughs> in the history doesn't there's no one any favours, like I say, no one came off well from sure. the mutiny. Had there been no mutiny, then they would have made it back to, well, first to Jamaica to, to feed the slave yeah. plantations, yeah. then England. They'd have all been rather unhappy, probably, at the journey, but they'd have all been generally OK. You know, Christian's act, or at least the the, the division between Christian and Bly, doomed everybody. It was it was complete mm-hmm. um and utter ruination. But, yeah, it, it, I find it interesting, again, that this revisionism came in at a certain time too maybe the 80s was the time when you'd revise it actually in favour of the authority figure rather than yeah, the, the rebel again the 50s it favoured the rebel um, yeah. again in, in
0: the I have a feeling though that the the the, <clears throat> the the interesting thing about the film that revisionist take on the story is possibly the reason why it's not very well remembered now yeah. um because it doesn't have a cl- I don't think it has a clear villain or a clear hero yeah um and it it presents itself as a rip-roaring naval adventure about a story we all know that you can get your teeth into but actually the reality of it is that it's quite a sad story yeah. uh, and it's got quite a sad ending and as you say nobody comes out of it covered in glory and in that context who are you rooting for yeah. you don't really you don't really want to root for a naval um officer who is Who's been exonerated from the mutiny in a kind of court? That's not, you know, that's not incredibly um, exhilarating. And by the end, you don't really want to root for Fletcher either because you think, well, he's just made a terrible mistake and it was really impertinent of him to do it in the first place. So, you know, good riddance, effectively. My feeling was you got what you deserved. And with Bly, I think, well, he didn't seem like a particularly nice bloke, but in the end, he's probably got, he's probably fair. So you come out of it thinking, well, that seemed fair. And that's not, you know, you, you, I don't think that that's what that doesn't drive your emotional kind of processes in engaging with the film. It doesn't make the film not interesting. But I think that's why it's not quite got that remembrance, given the cast, given the story. Yeah. You would expect it to be hugely, um, you know, a blockbuster that would be remembered for decades.
1: It's an interesting point. Interesting to compare it again to, um, again, something of the 2000s written Master and Commander, which actually didn't do very oh, well. Oh, no, that's
0: exact. Yes.
1: But it is. It's a, it's a well-cast, actually, Master and Commander, yeah. tightly packed psychological drama, um, um, but actually, the, and even though it didn't very well, it did, as you say, end with a villain, they have a big battle at the end, which at least yeah. gives some structure to the story, is that they can have this psychological drama, they can have this pressure of the captain and the crew, and, and the, these pushing into other. but in the end, you then fight the French and you win, and hooray, <laughs> at least you get yeah. some kind of release. Yeah. From what happened but that has the advantage I, of being a, a fictional
0: story so you can do that you can do that and you know don't get me wrong I, yeah i don't <clears throat> i i i think that you know having not seen the other versions of the film i think this is probably the version of the story that i would engage with most because of that psychological complexity yeah. and the fact that nobody is nobody is good nobody is bad they're all kind of grey areas and so on and so forth so the films don't need to necessarily play to the the stands as it were but I just think that's why it's got a bit lost in time and that's why Weekend at Columbus is an important process you mentioned Master and Commander that's why Weekend at Columbus plays that important cultural role um in society but you mentioned you mentioned Master and Commander as well I think that is a significantly better film than The Bounty I have to say um from just my own perspective it's more um I know that this isn't about Master and Commander, but oh. there are things in Master and Commander which I thought lacked in The Bounty. Um, so th- th- the main thing is that I think the narrative thrust in Master and the Commander is it drives the story on very, very, very well, whereas in The Bounty... I know that the framing device is interesting but in but often the two things happen with the framing device for me with the bounty the first thing is that it takes me out of the story as it's being played okay. and so oh. I have to check myself a little bit and come back to the story yeah. at which point I've lost my train of thread and I've, I've had a lack of engagement with it yeah. but secondly the framing device actually sometimes is a welcome relief from the um particularly i think the middle part of the film which is set on the island where i really want is something to happen yeah. a little bit more uh, and the framing device brings me back into oh, okay we're moving on to the next scene now so yeah. something else is going to change so the framing device I, I, i'm not sure it was the right decision although it does present it a story in an interesting way
1: yeah i think yeah. actually the interesting thing with that is um the the same between the difference in fiction and 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 fact is that um fiction has to make sense <laughs> whereas um yeah. because you do master and commander i agree with you it's 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 a good movie um and but it's allowed to <laughs> because it's made up it's allowed it, to follow a logical train of thought whereas the bounty yes. again it's it's very hard to give a, a credible motive to christian he's, he's it's again it is, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the early movies gave completely credible ones as in Bly was such a tyrant fletcher christian had no choice but to overthrow him yeah. but if you make Bly any way you know, competent or sympathetic, then you re really, you're damning Christian by, by the, the very fact because Christian didn't, you know, he overthrew the ship um, and that's a big thing right. to do if your captain is not basically about to kill you all. Even the decision to go around the horn yeah. was added in to give that narrative impetus because yeah. that wasn't a
0: thing. Um, as, you're completely right and I actually think that's possibly the biggest flaw in the film for me as well in that by the time the mutiny takes place, I don't believe why fletcher is i know it's not a simple decision but i I don't see the reason why it's happening and i can't really understand why the crew go with him yeah because there doesn't seem to be anything massively terrible happening other than they've been taken out of the island that they really enjoyed being on for three and a half to six months or whatever it was the fundamental reason why christian um mutineers is because he wanted to stay in tahiti for me that's the that's the that it may whether that's true or not that's the fundamental reason and he's moody because of it yeah everyone had such a great time at tahiti but now we're going home right you know what i'm not having this yeah. that seems like a ridiculous reason
1: i mean it might be true but and that's it's that's the thing and, and yet it wasn't yet he did um it's, yes. and maybe yeah. maybe yeah. there was an even more complex psychological drama to made out of why he did these things like right? because he was clearly not you know, quite uh, quite right in his head by the last end stage because he was not making good decisions um mm. and but yet but, but, but yet it but, happened and it's it's, it's but, hard to, but, say to get a narrative around it.
0: it it is no i agree completely and that isn't the problem of the story but it is the problem of the film yeah because the film is required by virtue of it being a piece of entertainment to give you that hook you're right the, the, the factual element of it doesn't need to concede anything other than what happened now i imagine that we'll never know the full story of why the mutiny took place the moments it took place how it happened why men went with him etc etc but the film has to take some responsibility in in authenticating a view a story which is both exciting exhilarating morally logical um and um unambiguous i guess in that in that context maybe i'm wrong there but uh, otherwise i I don't i can't i can't whether it's true or not i can't believe it
1: yeah yeah i have to
0: believe it
1: yeah i think again if you were um if you were saying yeah if you were making this story up you'd have something like I don't know, Bly is not confident about his navigational skills, but towards the end yeah. of the movie, he, he, he gets the truth inside himself and can sail them yeah. safely in that little boat and there's yeah, your exactly. Iraq. But, but that's not the, the but historical not, veritas.
0: No. So you're stuck it, with it. Exactly. And in the other films, as you've, as you've pointed out, um, Bly is seen at the extreme end of the brutal scale. And so it's very easy to see why you would mutineer yeah why you would mutineer why you would mutiny <laughs> sorry <You'd be laughs> um, a mutineer who mutinied. yeah whereas in this film he is somewhere in the middle and christian is also somewhere in the middle and so it all seems like you know maybe that's the maybe that's the sadness of, of the, the process it all seemed like a little bit of a waste of time like you didn't to, <laughs> no, i don't mean but not the fun but you didn't have to do that yeah you just didn't have to do it but it happened and so the film has to try to explain it i mean i wrote something down here they saw that they sailed thousands of miles to a faraway island to get into a dip measuring fight over <laughs> naked topless um native topless women that's basically it it's they meet that they, they mutiny because of because of their lust i guess and their lust transfers onto the ship at the end of it or their their sadness at leaving that kind of bodily function and you can imagine it you know they've traveled thousands of miles these are men young men trapped on a boat with lots of other young men they need that release and actually when they've got to go back on the boat things aren't that great yeah. um if that i mean you know, whether that's true or not i have no idea but that's a pretty pathetic reason to mutiny
1: yeah so further on that to analysis then you said you had some thoughts about again how the tahitians themselves are portrayed.
0: Oh well, <clears throat> maybe I'm overplaying this a little bit. Really, I, I think that there's there's two things here. So the the first thing is, in the film itself, the crew are uh, behave as you might expect. They're lecherous. They're you know whooping and cheering as the, as the ship docks. Um, and the 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 natives all come out in their boats to meet them, and actually it's a really really effective scene. It's a cracking scene yeah. because you've got the you've got the Vangelis score in the background, in the kind of the the drumbeat and the kind of like rumble behind. You've got fantastic choreography of all of these boats coming off from the um from the island to meet the ship as it's docking. You've got um the men and the women, the the, the Tahitians, you know, ha- screaming, happy, jumping into the sea um to to climb up on. To the boat, and you've got um, this really kinetic direction where the the camera is moving with the boats. So it's, it's I think for me it's the best scene in the entire film. I thought it's really well done, so I don't I don't have a problem with how the um, the lecherousness of the crew is portrayed because I can't imagine it would be any different. Yeah. in many ways. you know that's how it would be, and so that that the gaze is fine there. That's okay. I think for me I felt that it perhaps. Um, there was there was perhaps an i don't know the 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 film the films it's not so much the perception or the interpretation of tahitian life necessarily because who am i to say whether that's right or wrong but it's the lingering gaze or the necessity to titillate in some ways the um the kind of the 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 way that the um the the female um Tahitians were kind of, I suppose, luring some of the men. It didn't feel completely... Innocent to me, not n- n- not in terms of what was happening in the film, but the filmmaking itself. Yeah. I found it slightly gratuitous. Maybe that's me being a bit of a prude. Yeah. I don't know. But there's one scene particularly when um, you know Mel Gibson comes across um, the, the the king's daughter, whose name escapes me, um, and a few of her friends. And it's a it actually it's a fairly innocent scene, and it's one of those things that you might get in an American film where you know the boy's a bit nervous, doesn't quite know what to say, and there's lots of girls and their friends. Yeah. One of them really likes him and they're talking and giggling except they're naked (laughs) (laughs) it's not it's not highlighted but for me it's it it's it's the extraordinary the the extraordinariness of it i don't know whether mel gibson or sorry fletcher christian in that situation is going this is really interesting or is it just is he just thinking they're all naked it's great (laughs) and if it's the latter it takes a lot of the emotional impact out of what we're trying to believe between him and her, yeah. because they beca- they have quite a an involved and intense relationship, and I just think it's because she's naked. <laughs> That's the only thing I can get out of my head. She, she's just naked, right? That's why he's so infatuated with her. He's naked because they've got nothing in common. They can't talk the same language. She's just beautiful.
2: Yeah,
1: but then she, so she he's, is, getting, she also, she's also she's also enraptured with him. This is the thing. They are both well, he's beautiful <laughs> as well. Like, yes. Yeah again certainly from her perspective exotic
0: yes maybe that's a better phrase yeah yeah um, um so you know maybe i don't know whether that's <clears> too <throat> i'm probably being unfair but there was something there that i was a little bit uncomfortable with mm-hmm. after i'd pressed pause you know for the 50th or <laughs> 60th time i decided that you know i need to move on because i'm not i don't feel comfortable about this this yeah. cultural appropriation
1: okay well I, I got much more of a national geographic sense of it but i guess the yeah, okay. mileage may vary um <laughs> one, one thing i did notice though about the nakedness was um she uh, again she's pregnant from fletcher christian and I'm, I'm trying to do the sums in my head and i'm basically working out at one point, shouldn't she be showing, you know, at this point, shouldn't her belly yeah. be getting, yeah. I thought, this is a problem when you're playing a half-naked character, is that you can't yeah. really stuff a pillow up your jumper and be pregnant, <laughs> um, so she never really seemed pregnant through the whole movie, but again, that was, that was just a, a bit of pedantry in terms of, she's not really
0: pregnant, is she? <laughs> No, you're right actually because how long were they back on the boat looking That's for That's the picture? thing
1: I, I was trying to do some like, well at least you know, if she was pregnant there was about a month after she left she'd have to know yeah. for a couple of months and then yeah. a month back and was like well, she must be at least four or five months pregnant at that point she, well, yeah, She'd be showing she, it she, to Exactly it. She, which of course I don't think the actress should have become pregnant to, to fit the role. That, <laughs> that would have been a bit excessive
0: <laughs> That's the Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> da- Daniel school. Day-Lewis would have <laughs> done acting, it yeah. Acting, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, Gibson had a son during um, <laughs> the <laughs> during the film <laughs> Anything else? Anything else about the the analysis of the film? I, I, we haven't talked about the Vangelis score.
1: I was about to come um, to the Vangelis score. Yeah, it's. I. It may be his best. I know he's. He. You know. He is yeah. the sound of a lot of great 80s soundtracks. But this one, I mean, to me, hits the mark. It's. It's sinister when it needs to be sinister. It's. Yeah. It rises when it needs to rise. It's never like almost. You wouldn't call it a a, a soundtrack in the same way that a Superman had a soundtrack. You wouldn't. You could never have that yeah. along to it. But when it's yeah. when it's playing, you are. It's a great mood setter you you are, you are you are sufficiently placed in a place of discomfort or a place of elation or whatever it needs to be It's a great background to the, the movie as I guess a good soundtrack should be
0: yeah and i I completely agree with you as well um the, what, what I think's most interesting about it is that um if you said to me that um the, the historical drama the Bounty was scored by vangelis, I think that that's a very odd I mean, it's not odd in the sense that the film was made in the 80s and Vangelis was very big in the 80s, yeah, but you would expect a more kind of sweeping orchestral soundtrack. And it's it's not. It's it's a very idiosyncratically, obviously a Vangelis score.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, But it works yeah. brilliantly. And I can't put my finger on why it works, because the two are totally um, juxtaposed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but I, but I do I do now associate you know, It's haunting.
1: Yeah, but I associate you know a the silhouette of a sailing ship in a tropical bay. Now I, I, I hear the sound soundtrack Vangelis. pumping away behind Vangelis. Um But you, you mentioned what you thought it would be. He also scored a later film, fourteen ninety two Conquest of Paradise, uh, with um, um, Antonio Banderas. Um, that was Gerard yeah. Depardieu. It was, Egyptian, yes, there, there was there was a lot of Columbus things came out in nineteen ninety two. but um so in nineteen ninety two this film came out, um which again is a colonial sailing ship, go yeah. to a foreign island thing, and it has much more of the soundtrack that you talk about. It is a rising orchestral, um, yeah. sweeping pounding. Well. And that's Vangelis as well, which is and, and that is a much more standard movie soundtrack, whereas this one is much more of a mood piece
0: yeah so if 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 the if the moment that they arrive in tahiti is my favorite scene in the film I th- and um in terms of the interpretation of captain bly being the most interesting thing about the film i think that the, Valing, the vangelis score is the is the one thing that will linger long in my memory about the film it's yeah. the one thing that i think actually that is a cracking score it's a cracking piece of, of of work there from vangelis and i don't understand how it works or why it works but it does yeah. and as you say it's right when it needs to be punchy when it needs to te- um, when it needs to get your attention it does when it needs to bring in the characters it does um it's not it's it's an unusual score as well because as you say, you can't hum to it. There's no tune necessarily and it's very discordant in places.
1: And very much so, just... yeah. There's there's moments, again, we're talking about Captain Bly was shouting at Christian for, for having a dirty yeah. ship. He's pointing there, there, there is dirt and each time he points there there's yeah. this discordant Bang. zhang, zhang and there's yeah. this, like someone's pan- punching a piano um, and it's, and it, it, so it's, if it's not like a, a background soundtrack it's part of the scene. It, it, it's, it is, it's yeah. It's as aggressive and unpleasant yeah. in the scene as Bly is being.
0: Yeah it's intended it's ratcheting up the the tension, isn't yeah, it? Every time yeah. Bly says or does something, there's a bang, there's a bang, yeah. it ratchets up the tension. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. It it in and of itself is worthy of one disembodied crombie head. Wow. So the film will not get well it might get one disembodied <laughs> crombie head. But if it gets one it's that, for the music. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but Okay, we, should, again, we We look at secondary characters, if we did this we'd be here all day but you could whistle stop through them I mean, I could watch a whole film of Edward Fox's nasty captain interrogate William Bly, the scenes when he just drills into what Bly has done is fantastic because Edward Fox is just giving it that unblinking yeah. stare where he just is in co- complete confidence, he knows he's in the right and is just picking on Bly and it's wonderful to watch um, things again, Bernard Hill we've not even mentioned, uh, does a great yeah. great turn as the um kind of he's like the sergeant major he's the he's the guy who's on the officer's side but is one of the men um and and he's basically clearly the only guy that anyone on the boat respects um and it's it's again liam neeson again amongst the of the steerage is, is a phenomenal presence among the men and again amongst him you know he can be mutinied we mentioned John Adams um, he's given to, again the, the actor who plays him not terribly famous but plays him with an awful lot of charm he's not in a lot of scenes and in fact he's mostly at the f- front of the movie when we get to like no one like the ship and he's at yeah. the end of the movie when he basically triggers the mutiny and ends up on Pitkin Island and I do feel like they felt they had to do a lot with John Adams because he was I guess a an important character to the Pitkin Islanders
0: yeah, and it was like yeah, we've got to get this
1: guy in, and we've got to yeah. you know make him somehow more special than perhaps he was. Um, yeah,
0: because yeah. and... yeah. you're right. In in the, in the story of the mutiny, he was a he was a bit part player, but in the story of the aftermath, he is the central character, isn't he? Really? Yeah.
1: yeah. So you can you, you can't not put a nod to John Adams which is again an interesting thing of what you do with history and what you do with with yeah. fact because in, in, if you've written a fictional story you'd have Churchill on the bounty he'd be there till the very end on Pitkin Island he, yeah. um, but he didn't and they thought oh god I've got to fit that in now. Yeah. And, and it's these scenes like well, why is he doing that because like, oh, that was what it's like people don't behave. what he did people yeah. do not behave in a properly narrative fashion <laughs> <I> <laughs> when you do a historical
0: if, story if you, if you treated all, all works of cinematic fiction like that though you, it would help me to get over a lot of logical inconsistencies yeah so you say well why on earth is he doing that well because that's what he did yeah (laughs) okay right yeah yeah i get it even if it's a work of fiction that doesn't matter anymore
1: yeah maybe i should treat two authors like that that seems odd well people are odd
0: (laughs) so um i want you to talk about the 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 cast list um in a little bit more detail and the the cast is is astonishingly um good and it 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 has depth as well so there's a lot of very well-known very famous actors some at the Some rising up through their careers, um, some mid-career, but all very um, well known um, and, um, uh, you know, well established in many ways as well, I suppose. The the only thing I would say about it is um, uh, I, I get the feeling that you I get the feeling that your perspective on the acting is that the cast did a cracking job generally um I, I might be mistaken we'll put about. a pin in that and come back to it because yeah yeah i'll have I'll, but go on so i i i was a little bit disappointed given the stellar nature of the cast at just how um uh so how bland i found some of the acting <laughs> in in a lot of the instances yeah. so gibson i think is the pr- prime culprit yeah. um that i don't think he holds his own very well. I think he's a bit flaccid and it might just be the fact that, um, that in, in in reality the the, the Fletcher Christian character just isn't very interesting um, and Gibson plays him in a very bland and dull way I think. Even the bits toward the end when he's racked with guilt and he's not sure what to do I think show his acting up a little bit i'm not saying that he's not a good actor yeah but i just think in this it he didn't really he didn't really do it for me i don't think okay, um yeah. and the kind of the the, de- the depth of the characterization of fletcher christian suffered a little bit because of that daniel day lewis i think we all know he's a fantastic actor but he doesn't really do much in the film to be yeah. honest so you yeah. can't really see that liam neeson again um we know he's a good actor but i just in some of these early films that he's in it's the same with dark man actually He's a bit ripe. Yeah, I was but, thinking
1: this is the, probably the first films we've watched that have the same actor
0: in it back to back. Back to back, yeah, that's true actually. Back to back, yeah, Liam Neeson two in a row. Um, uh, which which brings me to the Schindler's List, our Christmas film.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I might like, raise an objection to that. That would probably be worse than watching Santa Claus the movie in
0: January. Only just, but it would be worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, which which leads. Leads me to my elephant in the room, okay, um, which is Anthony Hopkins. Really? Yeah. And w- what I am going to say now is doesn't necessarily mean that I think that um, it was a poor performance from Anthony Hopkins because I don't think it, it is a poor performance, okay. But I I think so. I think that it is the kind of performance that Anthony Hopkins has become known for.
2: Yeah
0: when he is going full Anthony Hopkins. And that might be my fault in the sense that it's not Anthony Hopkins' fault that he is who he is (laughs) and he talks how he talks and he breathes how he breathes and he walks how he walks. But I found that his acting was very hysterical and melodramatic, overly so. It was was very – he was hamming it up. Extraordinarily in some of the scenes, particularly the scene in the um, in, in the lower deck when um, Friar is relieved yeah. of his duties, Christian it's taken over. I almost laughed actually because I just thought this is totally over the top. I mean, again, it, 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 in and of itself, it's not over the top, but I think just I just I cringed a little bit. Like this is Anthony Hopkins quotation marks acting. Yeah, um, and it didn't. I mean, it, didn't, it just didn't. There was something about it that Acted as a little bit of a barrier to me. Again, it wasn't that it was bad acting; it was just that it was, it was, a lot it, was of acting. Yeah. it was turned up to eleven. It turned up to eleven. It was a bit too much for me, really. It, it was a bit. It felt a bit cliched in, in in many ways. Okay. So, although the cast is stellar, yeah, I I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I think for me, the best performance in the film actually was um uh the um oh um the yeah um Edward Young okay bill davis yeah for me for me because what i think that that actually is a very small role that's fair enough yeah. um but it, he is i think that's quite a difficult role because he's not in it much but when he's in it he's the one that actually lingers in your mind a little bit he's the one he's the worm he's the as you say he's the devil on the shoulder he's yeah. the he's the one where he, well, the things happen because of him in many ways he sets the seed going um, Neil Morrissey, I just was just terrible.
1: <laughs> I think I think Neil Morrissey was Neil Morrissey. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. yeah, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, it was Neil Morrissey in um, Men Behaving Badly. It was the same Neil Morrissey. I think. Yeah, I, I, I'm fair. I don't think Neil Morrissey has many more notes to his his
1: his. his, his yeah. Particular <laughs> instrument. Dexter yeah. Fletcher again had nothing to do at all, but with the ship's cabin work, so I thought interesting true. to see him there, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Um,
1: as in John Sessions. He did nothing but clear plates away. this um, yeah. <laughs> is yeah. just interesting to see. I think need to talk about how I felt about the film, again, when I first saw this, I was much more of an age watching films when I was quite impressed with myself for recognizing people. So the
0: fact, oh, I could, yeah. the fact
1: that I in I could complete a laundry list of people I knew. I yeah. was I was that's what's
0: indelibly stuck with me. Like, like, I know all oh, the about it. You you mean. Um... Bernard's, Bernard Hill's The Bounty yes <laughs> <laughs> so I, I quite enjoyed it
1: for that you're entirely right you Daniel Day-Lewis you would not you know, he could be an actor one tenth of his talent and still pull yeah. off that role because Mr. Frey is not needed an awful lot with um, no. again I think that some of the character roles again Edward Fox and Lawrence LeVay do good character to Yes, they they are, they're in fact the two veterans brought in for that Anthony Hopkins though he had a good theatre background and had done some film was really not he hadn't done Silence of the Lambs yet and therefore become the, the big star he had Mel Gibson similarly was a rising star rather than an established one. Um, you're right, Phil Davis, again, I think he's a very good character actor and, and we may see more films of him because I, I do like him when he appears. Um, yeah. uh, my more issue with Edward Young is why he's doing this. I don't understand... Um, I didn't understand that, what he You're doing. right, though. Yeah, that is
0: the issue. That is the issue. But but, but the way that Phil Davis plays him is. He's played. You yeah, he's believe brilliant. that there's a reason, he's just not telling you.
1: Yeah, but like I say, he's just so well turned out, and he just so appears in and out of things. It's, yeah. a, it's a, somewhat supernatural. But again, I, I enjoyed all the turns, and in fact, I sometimes a good actor doesn't have to do a lot just to remember them in this kind of ensemble, certainly at the level I was watching at then. You're quite right. Yeah. This, if you were to tell me this film had all these people in it, I would probably expect a lot more from it now, and thinking, where are these scenes? You should Surely everyone should get. You know they're three minutes in the spotlight, and you'd think, wow, that was a good scene from so and so. Yeah,
0: um, Anthony. Well, that's, against, a good... out of, that's out of context, isn't it? Really, because okay, in the early eighties, Daniel Day Lewis wasn't a very well-known actor.
1: Yeah, no. Which, so which, what, is, what's he yeah. supposed to do? Yeah, which is more actually why I mentioned the casting director. Cause she had a good yeah. eye for talent. <laughs> yeah. Christian, I, I um, rather Mel Gibson. I'll accept. Yeah, that that uh, he did the Christian screaming, kind of the um, let's call it the uh, the uh, the, uh, the Martin Riggs thing, where you just scream a lot and make your eyes pop. Yeah. Um, uh, and he, he, again, his stab at an English accent isn't bad, considering. No, actually, yeah, considering he's following. Um, Mel, what was it, um, Marlon Brando's English accent is yeah. yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins, though, I don't know. I I enjoyed his performance. Um, for me, it's an enjoyable performance. It, it it's certainly not nuanced, but I think. Um, but you can say he he's he does that theatrical ham roll, and. I, you know what? I'd take Anthony Hopkins screaming in a West Country accent at the men over him being kind of a demure butler, um, having torment wrangling with his soul any day of the week. Um, oh come on, <laughs> come on,
0: oh, That you can't say that. <laughs> oh, you have just said it.
1: I've just said it there. I, well, as as we've established our roles, that I am the philistine kind of Weekend crombies Crumbies. <laughs> I like a good turn.
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No well that's fair enough.
1: We've gone on for quite a bit now, so <laughs> unless there's anything else to, to comment, we should go and give it our scores.
0: Let's give it our scores. Welcome back, dear listener. Um we've delved deep into the bowels of the bounty and we've come up for air. Um we're gonna talk about the Scores on the doors now. The disembodied Crombie heads, as tradition dictates. I have no idea what's <laughs> in Weekend of Crombies, I have to say. Okay. So I'm just going to say that, um, given that it's Hughes' film, I think that hugh should do the honours of providing us with his um score.
1: I will open the gunnels and uh, and and <laughs> and let forth. So we give five disembodied Crombie heads. No half marks. Uh, five, one out, oh. one, one to five. One being did,
0: the worst, five being the best. Indeed.
1: As tradition dictates, I begin saying I won't beat around the bush and then proceed to beat around the bush for five minutes. (laughs) Something I've noticed in the editing. So, without further ado, I think this is a four-crombie head film. I think it's it's a borderline four. It's just got over the mark. And I think I might be tipping it forward partly based on my own nostalgia for it and partly based on the scores I've given to other films, so I'm trying to gauge it in the correct correct <laughs> method. I did so I do think it's it's a soft four. And I think that's mostly <laughs> So it's a three and a half. <laughs> no, we don't give half marks. <laughs> it's, it's,
0: soft a, it's a four You're not allowed to give a soft four.
1: <laughs> it's four. It's four floating grumpy hits I'll stand four. by that. I think it's just I it's a good watch. It's for a historical movie, it's pretty good in terms of keeping to the you know the historical, what is recorded in time, at least the historiography of it. Mm-hmm. I think the performances are strong, perhaps not all nuanced, but certainly <clears throat> memorable. Yeah. The Vangelis score is a character in the movie itself. And the cinematography we've not really talked about is really quite beautiful. They do some great shots there. Um, you don't get a lot of you know good on-shipboard dramas, and I think this is one, and that's worth four floating crummy heads for me. James?
0: OK, that's very good. Um, I'm I'm astonished that the film is four times better than Phantom of the Paradise. But, I apologise
1: uh... every single month for that, and I've <laughs> since watched clips of Phantom of the Paradise. I might be revising my score back down because even though it sticks with me, I don't really like a lot of what it sticks with me.
0: The, the band is an interesting one for me. There are there are certainly things in the film that I enjoy. The Vangelis score, as you said, is 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 a character in its own right and is. A thing of beauty, actually. It's a fantastic squad. I'm, I'm going to be looking it up on Spotify and seeing if I can um, listen to it on the way to work tomorrow. Um, there are some very um, exhilarating scenes in it. The moment that they arrive in Tahiti, the the, the, the landing there, and I, I did I did definitely appreciate the, the revisionist tale of, of, of Captain Bligh and him not being quite the tyrant that, that we perhaps perceived him to be in the other interpretations of the film. I think that unfortunately that the film is is weighed down a little bit by something that again we didn't mention too much but that that i think it has a langorious pace which is unnecessary for the kind of the, the the jauntiness of the story that needs to be told it feels like we're on the island for what is the middle hour of the film and it, it can't be that long but it felt like we were on the on there for for, for that length of time it does um, over
1: more than, just over the two hour mark which, it's
0: just over the two hour mark. It
2: thinking that's quite long
0: yeah, yeah, and I think an hour of that must be on the island. <laughs> um I think I think as the acting I I I have my own view on the acting. I don't necessarily think that it's it's great. I think Hopkins is the the consummate hammer. Um that's not necessarily a bad thing, but he's he, you know it's it's he's certainly of, of a type. do you, um, do you um,
1: in the context of one who hams or just a thing you knock nails in with?
0: Well, there's no subtlety to it, so maybe both. <laughs> that's quite good if you're a hammer. Um and I I think you know the biggest problem I have with the film perhaps is the fact that there isn't for me a drive toward the mutiny itself. I couldn't reconcile the decisions that were happening, fact or not, with the way that the film portrayed events in that process. So as a result of that, I'm going to give the bounty two diseng- disembodied crombie heads two disembodied crombie heads and one of those is definitely for the vangelis score
1: my goodness okay so a four and a two
0: mm. not unusual for our for our scoring yeah. systems yeah um but nevertheless a very interesting film and one that i had never even heard of um before you mentioned it to me, which is ridiculous really given the cast given the scale of the filmmaking I find that astonishing that um, I, I, it just had, hadn't seeped into my consciousness. And
1: that's what Weekend at Crombies is all about.
0: Indeed, indeed. And, and now, dear listener, yeah. as we trundle slowly toward the end of the podcast. And, and the I end of the year. The, and the end of the year our,
1: itself. Our twelfth yeah. and final Weekend at Crombies film.
0: Our twelfth and final Weekend at Crombies. The Christmas episode. The Christmas episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> whereby you will get more than a review of a film, if uh, all is promised.
0: Indeed, yes, and I should point out that the the uh, the, the next episode of uh, Weekend at Cordes will include a review of the year in statistics, which will be really fascinating. Best- <laughs> oh, yeah, oh great. Um, we'll get, you know, give a little sense of um how uh we've we've scored and and how we compare to the 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 general public, the hoi polloi, as it were, um, and each other, and each other. One, as well, one yeah, of that, which that is hoi polloi <laughs> That will be interesting, um, but it, it's it's the Christmas episode, and so I have decided to choose for the Christmas episode Lars von Trier's Antichrist. I'm joking, of course. Can you imagine? <laughs> I
1: I briefly did imagine, and. <laughs>
0: No, not really. So um, given, again, tradition dictates that the Christmas um, film for Weekend at Crombies is uh, the January episode. So so for me, I've decided not to um, be a cliche and go down a Christmas film. But I have um, I have chosen a film which I've wanted to watch for a very long time and I haven't done. It's a science fiction film um, and it's called Seconds that's seconds it stars rock hudson and it was made in 1966 directed by john frankenheimer who also did the manchurian candidate how interesting seconds Seconds. so that will be the film for december our 12th film of the year and our final film of our first year's podcasts it's been a pleasure to you as always
1: thank you very much james and to you so with that, we will close the door on the podcast, and hope you all enjoy your weekend at Crombies. Evening, all. Weekend at Crombies. Do I have to repeat all that again? No, no, no. That was quality. That was that was a good. Ooh. That
0: was a good one take. That's not bad, was it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was shaking and I'm sweating a bit. <laughs> <laughs>